0: I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, and uh, this morning I want to continue my series entitled, Overcomer, and uh, I want to look at verse 18, I consider that our present suffering are not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is not hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But we hope for what we do not yet have. We wait for it patiently in the same way the Spirit helps our weaknesses, We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance to the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to the purpose, his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. That he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Now thus far we have discovered that God wants us to be more than conquerors in our life. He wants us to be winners. God wants us to live our life in victory. But we also discovered that that victory, being more than a conqueror, does not mean that our lives are going to be stress-free, trouble-free, trial-free, or suffering-free. In fact, it's in the context of suffering that Paul tells us that we're more than a conqueror. And that is actually the reason why we're more than a conqueror, because we can walk through suffering in our life, we can walk through pain, we can walk through situations in our life that we cannot understand, and yet we can have assurance, confidence, boldness, and faith in the midst of difficult situations in our life. In fact, I put together what I call an overcomer's creed 13 statements that help us to know why we're more than a conqueror. Thirteen statements that help us to know what we have in Christ. Thirteen overcomers statements. Thirteen statements of faith that we should memorize and remind ourselves daily as we go through difficulty in our life. So I want us once again to stand to our feet, and I want us all to quote together. I want us to say it together, but I want to hear it loud. I want to hear it with boldness. This is who we are, and this is what we have according to Romans chapter 8. Are you ready? I am no longer condemned. I am free from sin and death. I am complete in Christ. I, am complete in Christ. I have a new mind. I live in the power of the Holy Spirit. I I am a child of God Almighty. Almighty. I'm an heir of God and a co-heir with Christ. Christ. My My present situation could never compare to my future glory. God is at work right now in my present situation. I'm becoming more like Jesus every day. God is for me, and no one can stand against me. Jesus is my mediator and my chief intercessor. And nothing, and nothing will ever separate me from God's incredible love. Can you thank the Lord today for those statements? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for those powerful statements. You may be seated. It's dark. And there's little light that somehow peeks into the little prison cell. It's cold. And sometimes it gets so cold that it's hard to sleep. It's hard to rest. It's just too hard to stay still because somehow maybe moving around will keep the blood flowing and bring a tiny bit of heat to his weary, pain-filled body. It's lonely. Sometimes he doesn't see people for days. Once in a while, someone is allowed to visit him for a few short moments. Food is rationed. Sometimes he doesn't even get food in his cell. Some nights... The other prisoners begin to shout and curse and rattle their cell bars just to express their anger and frustration over their present situation. It's a miserable place. It's a depressing place. It's it's depressing beyond imagination. It's oppressive. It's repressive. It's harsh. Some people call it the hellhole. It's more like a a dungeon where important state prisoners were lowered into often prior to their execution. It's a Roman prison. The Mamertine prison is an ancient prison located in Rome at the foot of the Capitoline Hill overlooking the ruins of the Roman Forum. When it was built, there was just one prison in all of Rome. It was really nothing like a prison that we have today consisting of two underground cells it once held rooms under the city sewer in the lower chamber. Historical sources have described it as dark and dank and foreboding. It was a dungeon. Today, there's a sign on the exterior of the building proclaiming it was the prison site of St. Paul and St. Peter as they waited to be executed. And it's in the prison, this prison cell that Paul writes, but whatever was to my gain, to me now I consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and to be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, even in this prison cell, I want to know Christ. Yes, in my suffering, I want to know Christ. Yes, when it's dark and I'm hungry and I've been beaten, I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection, and I even want to participate in his suffering, becoming more like him. In his death, so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenward which God has called me heavenward in Christ. Paul was no stranger to intense suffering for the sake of the gospel. In fact, Paul writes in the beginning of the book of Philippians, while he is in a dark dungeon waiting to be executed, he says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that What has happened to me, being thrown in prison, has actually served to advance the gospel. My suffering is advancing the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Because of the gospel, because... Paul made almost everyone angry for preaching the gospel. Paul was stoned. Paul was thrown into prison over and over again. Paul was shipwrecked. Paul went out food and he was persecuted over and over and beaten over and over again. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, I have worked harder than anyone else. I have been in prison more frequently than anyone else. I have been flogged and exposed to death more than anyone else because of the gospel. Five times! I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Just this alone would have made most pastors run for their lives. In Walter Wagonin's novel on Paul, he writes a whole chapter called The Back. 39 lashes lays your back open like, ch- like jelly, slow to heal, no antibiotics, lots of scars and infections a few months later he could manage just a little bit but it happened again and again and again they beat paul again and again and again how could he even move with the scar tissue on his back paul says three times i was beaten with rods once i was pelted with stones three times i was shipwrecked i spent a night and a day in the open seas i've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger of fellow Jews, in danger of the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled, have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face the daily pressures of my concern for all the churches that I have planted. Father, I pray today for the next few moments, O God, that Lord Jesus, that you would touch us. And Lord, you would help us to understand, O God, that even in the midst of suffering, God, this suffering could never compare to the future glory that will be revealed in us. In your great, wonderful, majestic, powerful Son's name, I pray, amen it's in this context that paul the apostle writes romans chapter 8 verse 18 and on he says i consider and the word consider in the greek is an accounting word it means i have counted i have compared i have i have assessed i have weighed the cost i have analyzed i have concluded i have reckoned Paul says that he's done the math and he added it all up and he added up all the suffering in his life on one side of the ledger and he has added up all of the glory of the future life on the other side of the ledger. And he said the glory that will be revealed in him far outweighs his suffering. He says, I have considered it, I understand it, I've weighed the cost, and I've written down all of my suffering on one side of the ledger. But then I could not, I could not even think about writing all the things that I will experience in glory because I don't have enough ink. I don't have enough time. I don't even have enough mind to understand. Eye has not seen, nor ear has heard, nor is it entered into the heart of man what God is preparing for those who love him. He said, I've waited out, and this present suffering could never be compared to the future glory that will be revealed in me. Somebody help me out and say amen. Glory to God. And this morning, I want you and I, as born-again believers, as children of God, as heirs of God, as joint heirs with Jesus Christ, who are more than conquerors, to do the spiritual math. I want you to look at your present situation. I want you to look at your present problem. I want you to look at your present condition. And I want you to look at all of that in the light of eternity. See, friends, we need an eternal perspective in our life. We need to learn how to live our Christian life with an eternal perspective. You see, there's way too many Christians who put God in a box. There's way too many Christians who put their theology in a box. Uh, There's way too many Christians that are living for the here and the now. And when God doesn't answer their prayers now, when God doesn't answer their prayers the way they want God to answer their prayer, they walk away from the Lord. They're disillusioned. Why? Because they're thinking that their life is about today. Friend, I want you to know today, you and I as born again believers, we've got a new home. We're citizens of heaven. We're just passing through. Hallelujah. Don't set your heart on these things on this earth, but set your heart on the things above. Hallelujah. Why? Because the Bible tells us this present suffering can never compare to the future glory that will be revealed in us suffering is real suffering is a reality suffering is a part of all of our lives yes we need to recognize that there are real hurts and there's real pain in this world and we can't get away from it all the time in fact the truth is nobody likes to suffer pain and suffering I mean, how many of you in this room, you just really enjoy some suffering? Let me see your hands. We will get you counseling immediately. (laughs) Nobody likes to suffer. Nobody likes pain. Nobody likes to go through trials and tribulation. Nobody likes to, to ask the questions, why God? We want everything to be figured out, and certainly we want our life to be filled with joy. We want our life to be filled with happiness. We want our life to be filled with all good things in our life. That's just the way we are as human beings. But the truth is there is the pain of losing someone we love. Death comes to us all. Friend, I want you to know you're going to die. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, you're looking really good today, but you're going to die one day. And if you fall asleep during the sermon, you might die today. Whether we like it or not, there's pain and suffering and disease in this world. There is the hurt of rejection. There is the real struggle of poverty in this world. Just in America, do we think that we are, we are owed something? You know, I, I got up this morning, and I went to Dunkin' Donuts. I was in a hurry, and I, I needed to get some energy, so I went to Dunkin' Donuts, and I got a cup of coffee, and I got a power sandwich. Do you know what a power sandwich tastes like? I wanted that bagel and cream cheese, but I knew that bagel and cream cheese would wear off after the first service and I'd be hungry and tired again, so I went for the power sandwich. It tastes like sawdust, oh my God. (laughs) Just the name power sandwich needs to make us understand it's not going to taste very good. But I took that sandwich in my hand. I, I promise you that power sandwich that tasted like sawdust, I took it in my hand. I promised you this morning, and I said, thank you, God. Thank you, God, that I can eat today. Thank you, God, that I have a meal today. As I thought about all the people around the world that don't have one piece of bread, I thought, thank you, God. I have nothing to complain about, God. You're so good to me, God. You provide for me every single day. And if we look at the rest of the world, we can see that there's a lot of poverty in this world. There's there's a lot of pain. There's the pain of persecution. There's the pain of broken relationships and disappointments in life. But Paul tells us that we must see everything in the light of eternity. He says, this present suffering right now, the right now suffering in your life, The right now pain in your life, the right now trial in your life, the right now valley in your life could never compare to the future glory that will be revealed in us. A wise preacher once said, many Christians today are disillusioned and discouraged because they have unbiblical expectations of a trouble-free life. Why? Because they're looking only to the present situation. They They say things like, I'm a child of God how can i get sick how come i still suffer even though i'm a child of god how come i have pain even though i'm a child of god why do christians die how come christians experience famine and poverty genuine faith-filled and mature christians experience these things at times in their life they can't get away from it and their expectations are not met And when their expectations are not met, they grow discouraged and disillusioned because they're looking for the full benefits of being a child of God now. When the Bible teaches that we are not to fix our eyes on the present situation, but we're looking ahead in faith to eternal glory. We wait in faith for the full benefits and inheritance of being a child of God to take place. C.S. Lewis, a great author, once said, Try to exclude the possibility of suffering which the order of nature and the existence of free wills involve, and you find that you have excluded life itself. And the truth is we all want to avoid suffering. But in this world, we will suffer. And Paul tells us why we suffer. In fact, Paul gives us four reasons why we will suffer in this world. Paul gives us four reasons why we will have to go through some pain in this world the first reason write this down the first reason why we will have to go through pain in this world is because listen to me God is waiting for the appointed time God is waiting you know I know many of us we there, there are times in our life when we we get to the point in our life where we say Lord I just want to close my eyes and I just want to wake up in heaven have you ever prayed that prayer Lord it's really hard down here God how many of you have had a hard time lately? Hey, it's hard down here, God. Lord, I just want to go to sleep and wake up in heaven. You know, here, here's the truth. The truth is, that, what time is it right now? It's 1130. Yeah, if you've never gotten water baptized before, I want to encourage you, you can get water baptized in the, in the 1245 service. And listen, if you get water baptized in 1245 service and you want to go straight to heaven, I can do it and hold you down a little bit longer. I'll make sure that happens for you. Because because the truth is, all of us at one time or another have wanted to check out of this world. We wanted to say, I've had enough, God. The suffering is too deep, the pain is too deep, God. I just wanna check out of this life, God. I did. When I was 13 years old, I went through such a painful experience in my life. I wanted to check out. Maybe you're here today, and. Or you're watching via live stream or you're down in the cafe, The Overflow. Or you'll watch this in coming weeks and maybe you're here and say, I just love to check out, man. God doesn't want you to check out. You know why? Because he's waiting. God is waiting. The apostle Peter tells us this way, that in the last days, people will come. Scoffers will come. Unbelievers will come. And they will say, where is this coming of the Messiah? Where is this coming of this Jesus who's going to come from heaven and make all things well? Where is he coming? We've been waiting for 2,000 years, and they're going to laugh, and they're going to mock, and then they're going to scoff at us. But Peter, Peter says, don't be fooled to the Lord a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day but the Lord is not slow or slack he's not sleeping when it comes to his promises but the Lord is patient the Lord is patient the Lord is long suffering the Lord is patient not willing that any should perish but all should come to repentance friend I want you to know that you're not here by accident God doesn't have you on this earth he didn't save you he didn't redeem you he didn't put his spirit in of you so that you could just wait to go to heaven. He redeemed you. He saved you because he wants to use you so that you can go out and rescue the perishing, rescue the dying. Oh, there are people out there that are bound. There are people out there that are blind. There are people that are going to hell, and you've got the answer. You've got the message. Stop feeling sorry for yourself and begin to realize God's waiting. He's waiting. He's waiting because he doesn't want anyone to perish, but that all should come. To repentance, and the only way that we can go where people are is we've got to go into the valley, and the valley is dark, and the valley is filled with people. I'm reminded of the story of Peter, James, and John. Jesus, he he went to the to the Mount of Transfiguration. I got to tie my shoe because if I don't, I'm going to trip. I'm gonna fall off the stage. I'm gonna look like Jerry Lewis. And I'm not gonna do it. Not today. Peter, James, and John, they go up to the mountain. Jesus goes to the mountain. It's called the Mount of Transfiguration. And Jesus busts out of himself. I mean, I think he just got so tired of just being in this body, contained in this body, that he said, Dad, I just need to bust out a little bit. Bam. And the Bible says that Peter, James, and John so they saw Jesus glorified in his glorified state. Wow. And Peter said, oh, it's good up here. Jesus, let's hang out up here. Forget about the people down here. Wow, that was awesome, God. I saw Jesus in his glorified state. Let's build a tent and just hang out up here. And Jesus said, no, we got to go down into the valley where the people are. If you want to be used by God, you've got to enter. Listen to me. You've got to enter into the sufferings of this world. I don't want it, God. I don't want the sufferings. You see, we have listened way too long, far too long to preachers that promise us that we're going to have our best life ever on this earth. It's not true, folks. They're just trying to sell you. Jesus said, in this world, you will have many tribulations. And if you're a believer and you love God with all your heart and you do the right thing, you will suffer with Jesus because when you obey God, someone's not going to like you. Listen to me. If everyone likes you in this world, you're not living a Christian life. If everyone speaks well of you, you're not living out your Christian walk. Because listen, when you really obey God, you will suffer with Christ. Jesus said, if they, they tortured and persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. Because if you're standing up for what is right and righteous, you're standing up for life. You're standing up for family. You're standing up for the word of God. If you believe that every single syllable that's found in the Bible is true and you obey it, you will suffer with Christ. Someone's not going to like you. You will tick off people. You will walk in the darkness and the light will expose the darkness and the darkness will want to stay in the darkness. And so they're going to want to snuff out your light. But not only that, you will suffer just simply because you're in this world. And you can suffer with Christ. I want you to remember, put, put the overcomer's creed back on. I want you to remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the fact that we're heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. That we're heirs of God and co-heirs with Jesus Christ if Romans eight seventeen. if... We suffer with Christ we will also be glorified with Christ if we suffer with Christ we will also be glorified with Christ and so suffering with Christ means sometimes you're going through a trial a tribulation in your life a problem you prayed you prayed you prayed and God said wait God said not now God had a different plan God allowed something to happen in your life But you said, God, no matter what happens in my life, No matter what you take me through, no matter what you allow me to go through, Lord, even in the times when I pray, and I pray like Paul the apostle prayed, Lord, take away this thorn in my flesh. And the Lord said, no, my grace is sufficient for you in your weakness. I make you strong. And you say, Lord, no matter what happens in my life, no matter what valley I've got to walk through, no matter what mountain I've got to climb, no matter what fiery furnace I've got to walk through, God, I'm going to stay with you you i'm gonna suffer with you and paul says as a result of that that glory that will be revealing us far outweighs the suffering that we go through in our life and so god is waiting he's waiting for us to be the light to the world he's waiting for us to suffer with so we can bring them with us to heaven There are deep seasons of pain in all of our lives. There are times in all of our lives, especially when there's despair and suffering and trials, that we cry out to God, Lord, why don't you come back and make everything right? I want you to notice that Paul tells us, he gives us the reason. He says, for the creation waits in eager expectation, verse 19 For the children of God to be revealed, listen to me, for the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. All of creation, look at me, all of creation, every mountain and every hill and every tree and every living creature and everything that's part of the creation every created thing. Even God himself is waiting for one thing. He's waiting for souls. He's waiting for people to hear. He's waiting for people to experience. He's waiting for people to enter in. He's waiting for people to become. He's waiting waiting for people to surrender. He's waiting for people to come into his kingdom. Jesus said to his disciples, you don't need to know what else is going to happen in the future. You just need to know right now to go Go into all the world and preach the gospel and tell them to come in. Go into the highways and byways and compel them to come in so that my house may be filled. Friend, don't give up. Don't stop now. Somebody's eternal destiny is hanging in the balance. And he's waiting for you and I to stop worrying about our suffering Enter into the sufferings of others and bring them into the kingdom. Jesus said to his disciples, it's not for you to know the time or the season. He said, just go. Why? Because the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand, slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish. Listen to me. Look at me right now. If you've never given your life to Jesus, if you don't know beyond the shadow of a doubt that if you died today you'd go to heaven if you are backslidden if you're running away from God I want you to know that God is making all of creation wait on you to come home he's making all of creation wait every mountain every planet every star every animal every created thing is waiting For more people to come into the kingdom of God. He said, and this gospel will be preached to the whole world. And then the end and the new will come. God's saying, I'm waiting. I'm waiting patiently till you come. Secondly, the second reason why we suffer is simply just because of sin. We live in a fallen world. Notice Romans 8.20. For creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself would be liberated from the bondage to what? Decay. Everybody say decay. Look at your neighbor right now and say, you're looking pretty good. I want you to look at your neighbor right now and say, your body's looking pretty good. Come on. Your body's looking, but it's going to die. Paul the Apostle says that our body has been subjected to the bondage to what? To decay. It's decaying. I know we want to keep it alive and we want to keep it strong and healthy and young. And we do a lot of things to do that, don't we? We go to the gym, we put makeup on. Some of us should put makeup on. We eat well, we try to stay young. I'm telling you, I'm I'm doing everything I can to slow it down. I am. I'm 56 (laughs) years old. Don't be 57. (laughs) December 10th. I'm trying to slow it down. Going to gym, doing everything I can. I'm painting my house. I'm I'm very picky painter. You know, I want want the lines to be right. You know, and all of that stuff. Anybody knows how to paint really good, you can come and help me. But I've been painting. By myself yesterday, did it yesterday, the day before. And um, I told my daughter last night about 9 30, I kind of wrapped it up. I said, Man, she heard me in the other room. I was like, ah! Ah! I was just bending down. <laughs> but I hadn't used that muscle in a little while. She comes into the bedroom. Are you okay, Daddy? You can stop. You don't need to keep doing it. I'm like, No, I'm fine. And I said to my daughter, I said, you know, at 56 years old, I'm not like I'm 15 anymore. You know, I remember the day I could paint paint my whole house, you know, get three hours of sleep, come up and preach four sermons. And that felt great. Now I need some Advil. (laughs) And I realize, I realize that I'm getting old. I want to slow it down. You want to slow it down. But our bodies are subject to decay. Now, you might say, you know what? But there's divine healing. I love that. I love people who go out and they eat all, everything they want. You know, they eat this big hamburger, all this French fries, all this fried food. And then they go, oh, Lord, heal me. <laughs> Stop eating. <laughs> but there is divine healing. Jesus said, by my stripes, I healed you. Amen. By his stripes we were healed. Yes, Jesus died for our sickness. But listen, we're still going to die. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. That boy came out of the tomb. He walked right out of the tomb. Come forth, Lazarus. But guess what? Lazarus still died. So you could try to pump it up. As the preacher said two weeks ago, you could try to do the sit-ups and the push-ups, and he doesn't do any of those things. And so I sent him a text the next day and said, whatever you said, I'm at the gym this morning. <laughs> you could try to make it up, but let me tell you, your body's going to die. Because it's subjected. Our, our bodies are subject to decay. And that's, that's not bad news. It's just reality. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected in hope. So, what happened? God takes Adam and Eve, he, he, he creates Adam and Eve, and they are perfect. They are a perfect specimen of a male and a female. They're strong, they actually had the ability to live forever. And God puts them in the garden. And the Bible says that God puts a tree in the garden. It's the tree, listen to me, of good and evil. Listen to me. When you obey God, it's good. When you disobey God, it's evil. And the only way that you could stay in the place of blessing is to obey God. And so God now, because he gave Adam and Eve free will, puts a tree in the garden, and it's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And he says to Adam and Eve, now listen, you've got a choice. Do you want to know good? Keep on obeying me. If you want to know death and evil, eat of the tree. And so they want to know of death and evil. They think they're going to know good, but they disobey God. Listen to me. You cannot be blessed when you're living in disobedience to God. There's a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. Sin, disobedience is evil, and it leads to death. And the Bible says, through one man's sin, listen to me, death entered into all the world. And as a result of that, mankind and all of creation was subjected to frustration, the frustration of decay. That's important to, uh, for us to understand Now the whole world and all of the things that are created now is subjected to that frustration. Notice what Paul says. All of creation is involved in groaning, in frustration, in corruption, and suffering. Paul says it three times in three different ways. In verse 22, for we know that the whole creation groans. Like when you get up in the morning, oh. It groans and suffers the pains of childbirth until God does something new up to this very moment. The whole creation is groaning. In other words, don't think that, that when you suffer, it has to only do with your personal situation. But you're a part of all of creation. Everything is in the process of dying. Everything. Every star, every planet, every sun, every plant, every animal, every human being. And everything is under the same sentence of death. It's called entropy. Entropy. Everything eventually goes from order to disorder. Everything goes from life to death. Everything is dying because of sin. But thirdly, we suffer because our bodies are not yet glorified. And so, Paul the Apostle says, Not only this, but we ourselves, we have the firstfruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship. The re- Listen to me. The redemption of our bodies. Listen to me. God supplies miraculous divine healing for the emergencies of our life. But the truth of the matter is, is that our bodies are still dying, and so our bodies need to be completely redeemed, changed. And here's the good news. The good news is the Bible tells us that our bodies will be changed, that this body of ours, even though they perish in the ground, you know, Lazarus, he's not walking around today. He's gone, disintegrated. But here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, "But to those that believe, to those that have received Jesus as their Savior, even our bodies, we're created three-part beings. Even our bodies will be resurrected, and the trumpet of God shall sound, and the dead in Christ will rise, and we will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. And this corruptible will put on incorruptibility, and this perishable." will put on imperishability. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be like, but when we see him, we shall be like him. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Help me out today. And we shall be like him. Our bodies grow old, but now God has given us a promise that we're going to be like Christ. Christ. And fourthly, the reason why we suffer is because, listen to me, because God does His best work in us and through us through suffering. I want you to notice, put the Overcomers Creed back on again. I want you to notice the three things we're looking at today in the Creed, okay? We're we're no longer condemned. I'm free from sin. I'm complete in Christ. I have a new mind. I live in the power of the Holy Spirit i 'm a child of God, almighty, I'm a child of God, Almighty, therefore I 'm an heir of God and a, and a co-heir with Jesus Christ, and if I 'm an heir of God and, and a co-heir with Jesus Christ, then I 'm going to suffer with Jesus I'm also going to be glorified with Jesus Romans 8:17 and my present my present situation could never compare to my future glory. why? Because God is at work in my Present situation right now for my good and for His glory. I want you to notice as you look on uh, Romans chapter eight. Come on, follow with me. It says, "In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses." In another translation, "In our infirmities, in our struggles, in our pain." God says, "I've sent you the Holy Spirit. He's the Comforter." Why? Because in this world right now, you're not all. You're not. Totally complete right now. Your body still has pain. You still suffer with un- uh, with. with uh all kinds of situations in your life as you walk through this life of suffering he says but I've given you the comforter and when the comforter comes he will give you comfort so that you can give comfort to other people and he'll give you power and if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead if it dwells inside of you it will quicken your mortal body and he'll give you the strength to go on he'll give you the faith to go on it's not by might not by power but by my spirit saith the Lord and he says and when you don't know how to pray when you're out of words, when you've gone through the pain and the suffering, when you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death and it's deep, when you're climbing that mountain and it seems so high, when you're going through that fiery furnace and you feel like you want to give up, you want to quit, you feel like you want to close your eyes and just go to heaven, but you know that it's better to stay here. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, but I need to stay here because there's a loved one, there's a relative, there's a son, there's a daughter, there's somebody that's not Yet in the kingdom of God. And so, God, I want to stay here so that I can be useful in your kingdom. And when you're going through all of that and you feel like you got nothing left inside of you, you don't know how to, you don't know how to communicate anymore. You're so tired and weary. The Bible says the Holy Spirit begins to pray for you and through you with groanings that you cannot utter. And he gives you that strength to keep on going. Hallelujah. But then he says this, and I and then he says, and and I'm convinced of this one thing. all things work together for the good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose put it all together put those three statements together Paul goes all the way around put them together my present suffering my present situation could never compare to the future glory that will be revealed in me and so by the power of the Spirit I keep on moving forward. Why? Because I am confident of this, that God, look at me, is at work right now in my present situation. All things work together for the good, for those who are, who love God, and are called according to his purpose. As the worship team comes maybe you're in the midst of suffering all of us will have pain and suffering in our life but Paul says in the midst of it God is at work God is at work for those who love him for what reason you got to follow through listen to me see when we read that scripture and it's been preached so, so often out of context. We stop with, listen to me, shh, look at me. We stop with all things work together for the good, for those who love God. In other words, oh, oh this thing's going to turn out for my good. That's great. But read on. Paul says all things, God is at work in the Greek. God is at work in your present suffering, in your present pain. In your present valley, in your present circumstance, God is at work. Why? Because you love him. Why? Listen, because you've been called according to his purpose. And what is his purpose? Listen to me. For whom God foreknew. This is not a sermon on Calvinism today. But for whom God foreknew. God, look at me, listen to me. God already foreknew you before you were born. Go ahead, brother. There it goes. I hear it. The anointing's coming. God knew you before you were born, and God set you apart. And it's no accident that you're here today for whom God foreknew. Listen to me. He predestined. He put you on a track he planned God has a plan for your life and it's big and what's the plan for whom God foreknew he predestined to be what conformed into the image of his son what's God's purpose for your life listen to me look at me God's purpose for your life is not for you to have a Cadillac to drive yourself right into heaven God's purpose for your life is to be conformed, to become like Jesus. That's the goal. (laughs) My present circumstance could never compare to the future glory that will be revealed in me. Why? Because God is at work in my present situation. For what reason? So that I am becoming more like Jesus every day. Peter said it this way. He said, don't think it's strange when you have Difficult sufferings in your life. He said God is making you like gold refined in the fire The truth is when things are going really good in our life When we're not suffering When we're not going through pain when we're not entering into the pain of others We get lazy And God can't work in us we get apathetic We get proud, arrogant. But when we've gone through the the valley, when we've gone through the suffering and the pain, God does his best work in us. James says it this way. The apostle James says, consider it pure joy when you go through suffering in your life. For God is at work to make you mature, to make you complete, to make you like Christ. So, friend, God does his best work in your suffering. But Paul goes all the way back to, but in all your suffering, don't stay there. Don't, don't set your mind on your suffering. Don't, don't feel sorry for yourself. Don't whine. Don't complain. Don't grumble. Don't say, oh, I'm in this suffering. But keep your eyes. Keep your eyes on heaven. Friends, we're missing it. We as Christians are missing it. We don't live in this world in the sense of saying we're just in this world and this is our world. No, God's going to give us a brand new world. We're going to inherit a brand new world. The Bible says that God's going to create a heaven and an earth for us. And we're going to inherit all that. And we're going to inherit a new body. God's going to help us to shed this body and recreate a new body. I think the greatest thing that we're going to inherit more than all of those things is we're going to inherit God himself. Revelations tells us, and God himself will come down and he will be our God. David tells us, God, you are my greatest inheritance. See the reason why heaven's going to be so glorious, the reason why our inheritance is so glorious is because we're going to get to see Jesus, hallelujah. He's our great inheritance. So what do we do right now in the midst of our suffering? We say, God, nothing in the whole world, even my suffering, could ever compare to the future glory that will be revealed in it. Therefore, I will live for the king to glorify his name every day of my life as I wait for him to come and make all things well. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. Listen to me, God is at work right now in the middle of your pain. God is at work right now in your suffering. He's at work in your storms. And God wants to tell you today, don't give up. Don't ever compare your suffering with the future glory because your future glory is far greater than the suffering that you're going through right now. And Paul says if we suffer with Christ, we will also be glorified with him. It means that everything you suffer and every time you suffer, Christ is right by your side. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. It means that when you suffer and you don't walk away from God, but you trust him and you love him and you keep serving and you keep believing, you keep honoring God with your life. You keep on using your pain for his glory and you keep allowing God to conform you into the image of his son. You keep singing and you keep worshiping. One day you will see him face to face and he will say, you fought your fight, you ran your race, you kept the faith. And to him who overcomes, I will grant him the right to enter into my eternal glory. Don't give up, press on, keep going, go deeper, love him more, trust him more, abide in him more and let him use you more. So then all these things, he could be glorified. I'm going to ask you a question right now. You're here today. You say, Pastor Steve, I've been going through some suffering in my life. Let me ask you this question Are you willing to travel whatever road God wants you to travel in your life in obedience to God, knowing that the future glory that will be revealed in you is greater? than the pain that you're going through. If that's you today, you say, Pastor, I'm going to serve God no matter what. I'm going to love God no matter what. One day at a time, I'm going to trust him with all my heart, and I'm not going to lead on my own understanding. If that's you today, you say, I just want to give my whole life to the kingdom of God. No matter what God allows me to go through, I'm going to trust him that's you today. I want you to stand to your feet right now. Say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. This is the call of the disciple. The call of the disciple. Come follow me. Deny yourself and come follow me. No matter what I go through in my life, Lord, I will follow you. The call of the disciple. See, that. this is where We separate the men from the boys. This is where we separate the ones that come to receive and the ones that come to glorify. You say, Pastor, no matter what I have to go through in my life, I will serve the Lord. Stand to your feet.